Welcome to the Grace Based Family Podcast. This is Dr. Tim Kimmel. For over 40 years, our ministry has been teaching people all over the globe how to turn God's act of grace into the defining feature of their closest relationships. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly Wirt, and I'm excited to be joining Michelle Brook in the studio today as we talk about helping teens develop a strong faith. As Michelle's shared on the last episode, I have teenagers in my home. Um, I have a 17-year-old daughter, a almost 15-year-old son, and then I have what my son refers to as his last year of being a preteen, which means I have a 12-year-old. So in my mind, I have all teenagers because we're literally right on the cusp of everyone being a teen, which is very sad to think, but at the same time, exciting. And I know Michelle is, she's coming up the pike. She's got well, one. Brayden's 11, so he's okay. in that awkward tweeny, yes. but not there yet. But we see it coming. Yes, so you're I'll almost there. Learn from you. <laughs> um, but what I will say, Michelle, before we really dive into this and to our listeners as well, is do not fear the teen years. I think the world, um, media, movies, uh, books, uh, growing up, I remember um, and being a young parent, it was always like, oh, the dreaded teen years, especially referring to a teenage girl. Um, <laughs> everybody was like, oh, wait till she's a teenager. And I have to say, I mean, every season is different and they all bring their challenges and their joys. But I love having teenagers. I know Karis has shared that as well on the podcast that she's loved the teen years with her girls. But I really do feel like it is just such a time of joy because you get to connect with your kids in ways that you couldn't when they're younger and you get to see so much of the fruit of your labor from when they were young and all the time you were wiping butts and feeding (laughs) and doing timeouts and you know just lots of hands-on parenting when they're younger you get to really enjoy the relationships that you fostered because they're old enough to hold a conversation with you and to share their thoughts and opinions but in a much more conversational way versus a you know strong-willed three-year-old way so uh that's my little caveat as we enter into (laughs) this conversation do not dread those teen years look forward to them and enjoy the relationships that you've spent so many years trying to foster that that's such a great uh, (laughs) promo for teens I've always said give me a mean tween any day over a crying baby like I'd much rather connect and talk Mm -hmm. and laugh and you know hang out than wipe boogers and all those things so I think it's exciting. Yeah, it is. And it's definitely a more emotional um, level of parenting um, because you really do have to just trust in the Lord and give them over to him. Um, But it's so beautiful to watch and see them um, really just grow and take the lead in their own life. And so don't... um, 
don't despise looking towards those teen years. Look forward to them. And we're going to talk more today on ways that you can help develop that strong faith in them so you can enjoy those teen years a bit more because they are rooted in Christ. So one of the best ways I think that you can um, help teach your kids to have a strong faith is by modeling it yourself. Um, and that looks in uh, looks different in, in several ways. Um, one of the best ways you can model a strong faith is to let your kids see you serving God with a joyful attitude. There's so many ways you can serve. I know most people that are involved in a church um, find some way to serve in the church because they see the importance of that. Um, we lead a small group. That is the way we serve our church in this season of life. When they were younger, we volunteered on campus and worked. I worked in ministry at our church. So we oftentimes were filling in in the nursery or preschool rooms or helping with an event at church. But the season of life that we're in now, um, we feel like God has called us to lead a small group. And that brings me so much joy. And I love coordinating time to get together with our small group, hosting them in our home. And so I think that's just one simple way that our kids can see us serving God is by serving those that we live in community with. And we do it with a joyful attitude. Um, People can be uh, challenging at times. I know (laughs) I'm not always the easiest to get along with. So there are times that sometimes those relationships and or serving in the church can get messy or be frustrating. Uh, say, say you serve in the nursery and people keep canceling on their shift. That gets frustrating and exhausting that they keep calling on you to fill in. But modeling a joyful attitude about that to your kids, and even though you might internally feel a little like frustrated like why won't these other people like serve their time because now this is like the fifth Sunday in a row that I've had to do it like yeah you might feel that way inside but not saying that out loud to your kids Um, but doing it with a joyful heart and being glad to help step up and fill the need because there's probably going to be a time in your life where you need to take a step back and are going to hope other people will fill in the gap for you. So I think teenagers pick up on those kind of things very easy too, like the attitude that's behind the action. Mm. Because as people like to point out, teenagers have a lot of attitude. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that's why it's so important to be mindful of the attitude of which you're modeling before them when it comes to serving and making sure that you're um, doing it with a joyful heart that sets a good example to them. Mm-hmm. And not only in the church, like you said, which is a great example, we should be finding ways to serve in our church, but also with um, people that are maybe underserved or like I know we had this kid um, on a basketball team one time and he lived far, but he had a single mom and her car was broken down. And so I was like, oh, in my heart, I was like, oh, this is a little bit of an inconvenience to have mm-hmm. to drive over here, pick him up and go back the other way. But I was like, okay, God, this is such a way to serve and bless her, right? And so as we were telling the kids, we're like, why do we have to go all the way to his house? I'm like, because he has a single mom and his car is broken down and we can love them. Like, I'm so excited that he gets to hang out with us in, in our car and we get to know him better. And it's just, um, 
it's how we how we spin things, right? Not spin, mm-hmm. but like we can look at the negative or we can look at the positive. It's that scarcity or abundant mindset. Yeah. And I think with teens, like I said, not only encouraging them to serve in the church, but I think there's a lot of um, space for kids to gain a lot of courage and bravery when they're serving a big God in places that are maybe a little scary, like inner city outreaches, Mm -hmm. um, care for the unfortunate, missions trips. I think a lot of growth happens there when you are out of your comfort zone as a teenager and thrust into the thrust thrown <laughs> thrush into this really um uncomfortable or different situation that's where god can can work and i remember in high school um some of my friends were like we're gonna go down and serve at this inner city ministry and i was like okay i've really never left scottsdale like mm-hmm. i have like a four mile square radius between church and school and home and work um but they would pick me up every Wednesday and we would drive down to the barrio of Phoenix and it was rough. Mm-hmm. And I remember being scared. There was like drive-by shootings. This was just like a very poor part of the town. They would bus in a bunch of kids and they would do kids club at this church. And so I did it for like two years. And I remember my mom being like, honey, are you safe? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but it's kind of exciting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it was my friends were safe that we would drive down there. But the stories that you would hear from these kids that were, you know, had nothing um, was so eye opening. And mm-hmm. after that, I was like, I'm going to be like a juvenile PO officer. Like I wanted to help that. I remember yeah. Dangerous Minds uh-huh. with oh, Nicole yes. Kidman. Like, yes. oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Ah, Michelle Pfeiffer, when yeah. that movie came out, I was just like, that is me. I want to help all the kids that are in like rough neighborhoods. But again, had I not left my four mile square radius of Scottsdale and been pushed out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't have even seen the needs of people in our own town. So I think that's really good for, for kids to rely on teens to like go out, mm-hmm. have to face some uncomfortable situations and rely on God for their strength. And if I got shot going down to neighborhood ministries, so be it. I was serving the Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. My kids um, have both uh, been involved with the summer missions trips at church. Um, my daughter's gone to New York and served the inner city there. Um, they've done the uh, one mission down in Mexico where they help build homes for people in need down in Mexico. Um, this summer, they're going to England. They're going to partner with one of the missionaries over over in the UK from our church, and they're going to serve um, the church and the community there. And it's something that they really look forward to, and they do. They come back changed. Not only do they serve others and help but they learn something new about themselves. They recognize that, you know, we've got it pretty good over here. And they they see different circumstances that really deepen their faith. Um, But outside of the church, there's so many great ways for kids to serve as well. There's local nonprofits that help the needy. especially at school, there are so many clubs they can volunteer in. So just learning how to get outside of themselves and help others. Um, There are Christian clubs on almost every high school campus. um, So they can get plugged in there. And that's a great way to uh, minister to um, their their fellow classmates and peers and just being a a light in their school. Um, So just 
getting involved is a great way for them to deepen their faith. And and I would even encourage trying to find a way to serve together in the in as a family outside of the church um we've done that missions trip as a family down to mexico and when you're when you're doing it side by side with your kids um elbow to elbow in that heat or whatever you know uh, way you might be serving it just opens the door for the conversations mm-hmm. so um, being able to talk about seeing those shootings or how those people live down in the barrio like your example or um, seeing what's happening down in Mexico and on on the way home from the the event you can talk about so how do you think or what do you think about the way they live or what did you think about that that young girl we spoke to and what she shared with us and just having that conversation um, and helping them process it because as good as it is for them to experience it on their own sometimes it's hard to get them to really open up when they come back about what they experienced Mm -hmm. so I think um, doing it together as a family has a great impact as well but also allowing them to do it on their own too. Yeah, I th- I mean Tim Kimmel always he counsels a lot of families and when I know when he sees a teen that's a little bit off track or acting really entitled um he'll say, "Well, where one of his first questions, Alistair him says, where is your kid serving?" Mm-hmm. And it's always almost no. And so he'll say like serving others is the remedy for entitlement. Yes. Like if they are all about themselves and getting caught up in their own mess, mm-hmm. they should be, and maybe you start as a family, but let's get them outside of their mm-hmm. own self and outside of their own selfishness and thinking about serving and loving others. Yeah. Another great one just to throw out there to our listeners, because I'm pretty sure they're all over the nation, is Feed My Starving Children. That's a great one that's easy to sign up for. We've done it as a family, um, but it's indoor. Like if you need a place to start, that's a great place to start if you're trying to get plugged into serving somewhere because you sign up for a time slot you do it one day you go pack a bunch of meals that they ship to different countries that are in need of food and it's fun they play loud music but it's a it's just a good launch launching point um if you're trying to get involved in serving in some way shape or form um and it kind of opens their eyes because they play a video about the people that will be receiving this food and just helps them to see like oh there are actually families that rely on this for food for a month and you know so if if you guys are looking for a great place to to start serving with your kids I highly recommend that um, yeah, and I think they start at age five and up, which yeah. is rare because a lot of places you do need older kids right. to volunteer, but five years old and up mm-hmm. for Feed My Starving mm-hmm. Children. Um, another way I think to help develop your teen's faith is to not try to solve all their problems for them. Uh-huh. So there are going to be so many relational and conflicts and cultural dilemmas and all these things that the the kids are going to face. And you just said it, Kelly, like you have to walk through it with them and talk Mm -hmm. them through some of this. But I, I think as parents, sometimes as Christian parents, we want to wrap our kid in bubble wrap and Mm -hmm. just, you know, keep them in church. If they're not at church, they're at home. If they're not at home, they're in Christian school or they're with their Christian friends from Bible study, which Mm -hmm is great but we also cannot be afraid to allow 
them to face hard things and for them to learn how to trust God through that. And so um, we talk about those, we call them design dilemmas, right? So mm-hmm. it it's opportunities for their their your teen's faith to be tested. So that could be things like, okay, letting them work in a, in a part-time, you know, secular environment and you talk through with them hey what will it look like if all your coworkers decide to take some of the petty cash and they ask you to be the lookout what are mm. you going to do if you're in that situation let's talk through what that could look like or they're going if they have a non-christian friend and they're going over for a sleepover and you're like okay what if you go to mindy's house and i know mindy has a reputation for partying what are you gonna do if they start cracking open beers or mom and dad's alcohol because i know mom and dad are going to be out at a party what what are you going to do there's so Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of setting them up you're coaching it through coaching them through it and they have to solve these problems and rely on god and turn to god and the wisdom that hopefully you have taught them over the years um instead of always running in and playing interference because very shortly that runway as from a teenager to be, to leaving the home for college or trade school or work is so short and i don't think parents spend enough time putting their kids out there in the world in a secular environment um they're just not ready for the real yeah. world and then they fall or they go crazy mm-hmm. because they've never been in an environment where everybody's partying or right. you know what I'm saying yeah no we have a I have a great example um of what you're just speaking to <clears throat> our daughter when she was 16 she turned 16 in early October and so of course late October it's Halloween and party time um and I remember she uh she had been invited to a party and she asked us hey can i go and she showed us the information and we we were like okay you know yes you can go but you know these are the stipulations if you show up and there are no parents there or there's alcohol or drugs or all of the above you (laughs) have to leave right away um and so it was that moment where it was like oh my gosh here we are. She she wants to go to a party. What do we do? And your first instinct, I think, is to be like, nope, you can't go because you want to protect them because we weren't idiots. Like, I know <laughs> this invite went out through Snapchat. OK, so if it's not a formal invite, you know, a parent is not involved right. in planning this party. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, we knew that most likely she was going to show up to this party and it was going to be one or two of the latter. And so we just reminded her, you know, of the things that we've kind of talked about and prepared her for becoming a teenager and what partying is like and all that kind of stuff. And um, so we said yes and she agreed, okay, if there's no parents there or if there's drugs or alcohol like I'll leave right away and she knew she was supposed to text us right when she got there to let us know she made it and everything so she gets there and of course turns out it's not even at the address listed (laughs) in the invite it's at the green belt behind the house of the address it's in a ditch yes so (laughs) she she parks finds her um, her friends walks up to the party and instantly sees 
six-foot table with a cooler next to it, alcohol. I mean, these teenagers, you talk about frontal lobe not being formed. They were not very smart about the fact that they're just in a giant green grassy field in a neighborhood um, right by a middle school. So it was very obvious what was happening. Rookie mistake. Um, Yes. (laughs) But um, so she walked up, saw you know, the alcohol, found her friend that was there and was like, we need to go. Uh, we shouldn't be here. And so they started to leave. And right when they were walking out, the cops showed up. And so they got in the car. They didn't get in trouble or anything. The cops basically just told everybody that they needed to leave, which she was already doing. They She helped pick up a couple of her friends and they left. So it's just, th- that's an example of like, you can't, Put your kids in a bubble. You can't say no to everything. You have to give them the opportunity to make the right decision. And I think because we did that, she felt comfortable enough telling us about what she called us right after to tell us what happened. That way, if we heard it from somewhere else, we knew what was happening. Plus, then she needed to ask permission of what they could do next because now their plans were ruined because <laughs> um, this party wasn't happening. But having that dialogue with your kids, allowing them opportunities to make these choices and tell them you trust them to make the right decision, you're going to give them the opportunity to make the right choice. But if they don't make the right choice, you're still also offering that opportunity to give them something to learn from um there's other times where something as simple as like they forget something at home that they need at school uh did they forget their project could you go rescue them yes should you probably not because this is an opportunity for them to learn responsibility and that they're, when they're an adult, you know, you're going to, there have been times where I forgot my cell phone at home when I got to work. Am I going to drop everything I'm doing and waste the gas, especially when it's over $4 a gallon just to run home? Or can I survive for four hours with my phone, without my phone, you know? So I think it's not always rescuing your kids or protecting them from the perceived danger or problem, allowing those small things like forgetting their homework and yeah that might result in a lower grade but it's teaching them responsibility all the way up to those bigger things like saying yes that they can go to a party and hope that they make the right choices yeah so you're saying use your be careful to use your personal veto sparingly (laughs) and graciously now Hayden your daughter is lovely and she's a more of a rule follower so obviously if you have a kid that is off the rails you're not going to be like good make good yes. choices oh. as you go to a party right we're right. not talking about that we're talking right. about kids that are trying to walk with the lord mm-hmm. i mean obviously there's outliers so we're not trying to you know make blanket statements to say yes all the time we're yeah. just saying let's not rescue our kids let's raise strong kids versus just safe kids mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. um Yeah, absolutely. Know your kids' personalities for sure. Um, You know, if 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 Hayden tended to have a more wild spirit, I don't know that we would have said yes to the party. But you know, knowing that she is a little more cautious and more of a rule follower, you know, she need she needed that opportunity to be trusted to be in a situation where there was going to be temptation. 
Um, and we needed to hope and pray that she would make the right choice. But at the same time, you want them to make those mistakes while they're still living in your home. Like, right. I, I mean, I don't want my teenage child out drinking at parties, but if they're going to do it, I would rather them do it now while they're in my home. I'm not licensing that you should let your kids do this by any means but like if they were to make that choice why I would hope that it would happen in a time where I could help uh, hold them accountable and help teach them through that like I we pray and tell our kids all the time we pray that you will get caught yeah and they do eventually it might (laughs) not always be right away but when they make a poor choice they they always end up getting caught in one way shape or form and then they earn their consequence and so we kind of always tell them that too like we're praying that you get caught if you make a poor choice so we can help guide you through that and help you learn from those um, mistakes and those choices but then we also tell them like it's better if you're just honest up front because the consequence will be less worse if you're just you know forthcoming but if you continue to try and hide this and kind of manipulate the situation and avoid telling us the truth about this the consequence is going to be much worse when we find out mm-hmm. so you know you want your kids to to have these times um, of challenge and struggle while they're in your home so you can hopefully guide them and teach them and help them figure it out a little bit better so that way when they're out in the real world on their own the mis- the the consequences aren't as severe because yeah. they've kind of learned their lesson a little bit um so i think that's kind of one way to to try and navigate those things and help help them learn yeah. before you launch them out and when i hear you talking about i mean there's so much intentionality behind being good Christian parents, really. Oh, yeah. And I think a, a lot of people just kind of farm their kids out to the mm-hmm. youth group. I know you you can speak to this because you worked in student ministries for a long time mm-hmm. at church. Um, and I think in our generation growing up, at least for me, my parents weren't really coaching me through a lot of that. Like mm-hmm. they would talk about right and wrong, but they weren't always, you know, verbally directing me back to Christ. I think they were kind of like, well, she's getting that at church, right? Absolutely. And it's hard not to just have that mindset if your kids are in a Christian school or if they're involved with their youth group. But um, really developing a strong faith takes place at home. It's mm-hmm. discipleship in the home. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a formal workbook necessarily that you're going through with your kids. It's these these life experiences that you're talking them through and constantly bringing them back to who God is and who they are in who he is to them and who they are to him. Yeah. Um I don't know. What are your what is your thought coming from a youth leader background? Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you're hoping and putting all of your trust in the amount of time that your kids are spending at church to be the true catalyst that points them to Christ and having their lives um, lived out for Christ when they're an adult. Think about that in relation to how much time they're with you. So if you are, you know, sending your kids to Wednesday night programming and Sunday 
church in the morning. That that's really like okay. Usually Wednesday nights are about a two and a half hour program, and Sunday mornings might be an hour and a half, two hours. So let's re- average that out to about five hours a week that your kids are spending at church. And how many other hours a week are they spending with you? So if you're putting, you're banking all of their, you know, spiritual growth and future on five hours a week and you're not taking the the initiative the rest of those hours, can you really be confident that they're going to have a life that is in pursuit of Christ when they leave your home? I mean, I think about the kids I grew up with. A lot of them went to a local Christian high school and their parents made them go to church and the majority of them do not follow the Lord anymore. Most of them claim to be atheist or agnostic and I think it's a perfect example of how these parents thought oh well if we put them in Christian school and we make them go to church they'll turn out all right and not to say Christian school and church aren't a good thing they are but if you're not modeling what it is to live out your faith in your own home and you're not helping foster and nurture those relationships that your kids have with Christ in your own home, then they're less likely to make that faith their own and really pursue it once they leave the home. So I think a great example of that is um, just really trying to model it on your own for your kids. Let them see you reading your Bible. Uh, Let them see you struggle and like ask them to pray for you. My oldest son asks us every night before bed what he can pray for. It's so so cute. It's so funny. It's almost like he tucks us in. Like I told him (laughs) last night, matter of fact, I told him like, you are going to make a great husband because he checks all the doors, make sure they're all locked, turns off all the lights. And he comes in and says goodnight to us. And he's like, do you want me to turn your light out? And it's like, he's tucking us in now versus us tucking him in. I love it. But every night, he cannot go to bed until he asks us, uh, is there something I can be praying for? Wow. And and I, I don't share these stories to kind of say, like, I've got it all figured out because I don't. And, and that's what I'm trying to say here is let your kids see you vulnerable. Let them see you struggle. Like, I mean, obviously, there's a certain layer that you should probably stop peeling the onion back for them because you want them to feel safe and secure in their own home and in their relationship with you. But at the same time, I mean, there are so many things that we go through as adults that teenagers are more than capable of understanding and walking through with you. Um, You don't want them to become like your your wise counsel or anything like right, that because right. they're that's not appropriate but you know if if you guys are walking through a difficult season um through you know maybe your marriage to where you know it's not something serious that you need to tell them like this is happening but maybe you're getting marriage counseling um because you guys are working through something i think it's okay to say hey you know what can you be praying for dad and i we're we're getting counseling right now we're okay you don't need to worry but you know we've just kind of hit a point where we need some help 
and that's okay to get help and just pray pray for our marriage and um you know or you know maybe you guys are going through a financial struggle and helping your kids to understand like those kind of things happen and um you know help them see the value of money and God's blessings and knowing that God provides. I mean, there have been times where we've been paycheck to paycheck and there's been a time where we don't know how we're going to, um, I remember it was back to school season a few years ago and my husband was in between jobs and we needed to pay for, um, all the fees that happened the very first week of school for all the little magazines, all that stuff. And I was feeling very overwhelmed, like, how are we going to, you know, cover the cost of these? And so we were just honest with the kids, like, you know, money's tight right now. We can't do a bunch of extra things, and but we don't need to worry. We don't need to fear. We need to trust in God. He is our provider. And um, we can't go out and buy a bunch of new clothes for school because we need to pay for your weekly reader magazine reader. oh my gosh <laughs> yes all those things and so um then uh i think you know one after we'd been praying about it praying that god would provide and you know just teaching them that we trust in him we got a random check in the mail from when we lived in oregon some class action lawsuit for you know not being told how much they were going to charge you at the gas pump for the credit card fees or something ridiculous like that that I didn't even know we were involved in and we got this check in the mail and um, we went to Old Navy because they always have such a good sale right before school starts and we picked out a few things and we went to the check register to pay for it and the amount of money I had for the clothes was the exact amount that the clothes cost And it was such a great example to the kids to show like God meets our needs. It's like the story of how he provided the manna. Mm -hmm. And it's like if we would have never opened up to our kids about that and told them like, I mean, as parents, you don't ever want your kids to know you're struggling for whatever reason we want them to think we're perfect. But my kids to this day, I think like know how much God meets our needs and cares and will provide so they're going to be less afraid to put their trust in him as they continue to get older and to grow um because we were able to share that example with them so i think there's ways yeah to be vulnerable and let your kids in yeah and and for your kids to see you guys remain calm while you know, your not your faith was on trial, but you were probably like, okay, God, you say you're going to provide, but I don't see where this money's going to come from. And my kids are tall and have outgrown their yes. jeans. <laughs> so how's this going to work? Um, and I, I think too, like you said, age appropriate, if you're sharing with your kids some of the battles you had when you were their age, sometimes mm-hmm. it can be intimidating, like you said, to tell your kids, you know, right now I'm feeling overwhelmed about whatever my relationships or my money but you can go back and say hey when I was your age I remember I idolized being popular or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be I was so nervous um, that I wouldn't be cool or that I wouldn't make any good friends and walking your kids through that process of how you yielded your life to the lordship of Christ and encouraging them like this is how I process. This is how I went through. This was my process where I wanted to be really popular and 
I prayed about it, about like God taking that away from me. And then I found different friends at church and, you know, whatever. Um, it makes you so much more approachable and just opens up that dialogue. Mm-hmm. So kids are like, oh, okay. That was like a little glimpse into mom or dad's life. Um, some of their struggles, some of their insecurities. And they can help me walk through mine because nothing's changed. I right. mean, the times have changed, but our insecurities and our fears and our sins, they're all the same, just packaged a little differently now with social media and <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) All the pressures out there. Um, But I think kids can develop a strong faith when they hear about our journey and how we've had to rely on God then and now, currently, Mm -hmm. like you've shared. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's most important with teenagers is helping them see how to wrestle with their faith through the different challenges and and good times of their life because um, you kind of want them wrestling with their faith while they're in your home, hoping and praying that that time comes while they're still in your home so you can help guide them. And I think another thing is to not panic, you know, don't freak out and think, you know, oh, my kid is now like doomed and they're going to become an atheist or whatever. Just pray for them as much as you want to jump in and help them like you have to be vulnerable kind of share those ups and downs of your own life so you can hope that they will glean some wisdom for it but at the same time you've got to let them walk through their own um, times of just kind of wrestling and questioning their faith so that it deepens and grows and is something that they will continue to pursue when they do launch out of your home. Um, I think we can all look back on our lives and see a time where we were kind of like, hmm, do I really believe what I say I believe? Right. And is this my faith or is this just because my parents have always raised right, me this way? Right. And I was just talking to a girlfriend the other day whose daughter is a freshman in college and she's kind of going through that phase of like, you know, oh, you're just old school in the way you're thinking or you're just like more closed-minded because I think she's kind of out there seeing the real world and kind of like wrestling with her faith a little bit. And it's like our kids are going to do that just like we did. Mm -hmm. So we need to not panic. We just need to pray. Pray that the foundation that we laid for them is going to eventually be what they turn back to. And I think the more that as they're in our home, experiencing those seasons, those those times of challenge in our home, and we keep pointing them back to Christ, um, and we keep modeling how we turn back to Christ in those times of our own lives, they're more likely to come back to Christ on their own during those seasons when they might be wrestling themselves. Mm-hmm. Very good words. And from a seasoned teenage, (laughs) teenager mom, (laughs) Kelly Wirt. Thank you so much for listening. We want to be here. We want to pray for your teens. We want to pray for you as you parent them and get ready to send them off into the world. So Mm -hmm. feel free to email us at family at gracebasedfamilies.com. 
and check out our resources on our website. We have a book um, about why Christian kids rebel, Mm -hmm. um, which is really helpful for parents of teenagers. Um, There's a bunch of resources on there and blog articles. Or feel free to reach out to us and one of us will email you back. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Grace Based Family Podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministry. For more information, check us out at gracebasedfamilies.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time.